Welcome to another episode of the Rent Stories podcast, where we talk to New Yorkers about renting in the city. If you're still discovering the wonders of the internet, you may not have found our next guest yet, but let me promise you, he's a big deal. Cash Jordan is a YouTuber. TikToker, Instagrammer, and residential real estate expert based here in New York. Since 2008, he's been helping people find apartments in the city, and on his channel, he takes you inside apartments to experience what day-to-day life is like in your next rental. With over 180,000 followers on TikTok and more than 30,000 subs on YouTube, he's blowing up the waves with his slickly produced, ultra-informative real estate content. His videos have over 6 million views. have been a million of those his stuff is great see cash as a broker has a deep knowledge of what makes a rental great and with all of the context he can provide about getting a good deal on the right apartment we knew he was the perfect person to talk to on this episode of rent stories welcome cash jordan hey, thank you it's great so to, glad be here. to have you yeah man so um this is the first time we're meeting you and i gotta say we're really excited here, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, we reached out to you a couple of weeks ago about helping us get the word out about Rent City. And I think it's taken us all down a, a rabbit hole of your amazing videos. Um, we're going to get to all of that good stuff, but let's just start at the beginning. Where are you from and, and how'd you get to New York? Sure. Um, so I'm originally from Massachusetts. And uh, if you know anything, there's a rivalry between New York and Massachusetts about which is better. So, you know, the move was challenging at first, but I'm here. I've made it. I actually moved here in 2006. So um, I've lived about half my life here in New York City at this point. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So in your bio, it says that you started as a broker in 2008. And that must have been really a a tough time to get into the real estate game in this city. How how did you get started and why choose real estate? So um, I started in May of 2008 um, when things were actually still good. So I saw, you know, the tail end of a successful rental market. And then in September and October in 2008, when things kind of went south, I saw it change rapidly. Um, And it's very interesting. The company that I started working at had a rule where if you weren't renting four apartments a month, you didn't get your own desk because they only had so many desks. And um, you had to share a desk with somebody else who couldn't rent four apartments a month. And this was before things collapsed. And after they collapsed, you could have any desk you wanted. So, um, you know, I guess the benefit of that is now with the pandemic and everything and the unfortunate situation that we're kind of in in New York City, this is my second time doing it. So maybe it's less scary than the first. Definitely I mean, different, but definitely, you have your uh, own desk now though, right? You can, you can, I do. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's still the case. Haven't had a problem with that since. So were you uh, always destined to work in real estate or did you have other dreams growing up? Um, so I, I don't, wouldn't say that I was always destined to work in it. It's just kind of what I fell into when I was here in New York city. I moved here out of college for an opportunity that, um, I, I was excited about and um, just wanted to change after a couple of years. And, you know, I guess uh, going from being an accountant at a big four accounting firm to uh, somebody that rents apartments for a living is a pretty big change and uh, definitely has been. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you, uh, you became savvy with computers uh, because you were putting in 
data into Excel sheets and made the pivot to interpersonal relationships. Has that, has that helped your transition from uh, that face-to-face -face interaction to being somebody that people mostly interact with through their screens now? Um, well, I think with everything, practice, practice makes perfect, right? You know, the first videos that I made were terrible. Um, hopefully they're a little bit better now. But with practice, everything gets better. And with repetition, you just become, you know, better at, at doing things for sure. Yeah, I hear a lot of YouTubers tell us that uh, just getting started is the hardest thing and keeping up with it because your first few videos are, are going to be bad. But there's always, uh, there's always the next video and the next one. And you will always learn more every time you do it. So... So we've seen a lot of uh, real estate guys use the internet to get the word out about their listings. You know, when you go into an apartment, are you the listing agent for that unit? How does that work? Where does the access come from? So some of the apartments, I'm the listing agent. Other apartments, there's um, another agent who's the listing agent who gives us access. Um, that's, those are basically the two ways in. You know, some apartments are listed with a variety of companies. Some it's just one company. Um, I don't really restrict what I'm going to show to just what I can get into myself. You know, if it's a great apartment, I want people to know about it. Yeah, definitely. And you have friends in the community who can get you those keys and tell you what's the coolest thing. And are you also scouring listings in order to find places that you might want to show in your videos? Yep. That, that takes up a lot of time, but yeah. um, that's one of the fun parts of the job is going apartment hunting several times a week, every single week. Yeah. Yep. You, ever get, you ever get tired of it? No. No? I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Look what I do. I don't have... <laughs> uh, but you, you know what? It would get tiring if all of the apartments were just in like the same area. But um, New York City is so diverse. There's so many different parts of New York City. You know, the difference between an apartment in the Lower East Side is night and day to what you're going to get in the Upper West Side and so on and so forth. And, you know, even if you go to Brooklyn, you're going to see night and day difference between Cobble Hill and Bed-Stuy. I mean, it's just, there's so many exciting things to do here. I think that this would be a lot less exciting in maybe a part of the country that doesn't have such a wide range of what you can get. But, um, you know, here it's great. And I meet clients that do the yeah. same thing. I meet clients that just want to go apartment hunting. You know, and they say, oh, I'll look at as many places as I can until I pick. Well, it's a fantasy, right? It's a, it's, there's, there's the fantasy of just being able to live somewhere else and, and evaluate and compare what you got right now versus what other people are living in. I think that's, that's what makes the YouTube so compelling is just being able to immerse yourself in some place that, especially during the pandemic, and we're going to get to talking about how the pandemic has affected real estate, because I know you have a lot of opinions on that. But just the idea of being able to go and look and feel what it's like to be inside, get that first person perspective. I, I would imagine that a lot of the comments you get are just about being able to live out the fantasy of seeing as many apartments as one might want to. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely, it's interesting, because you know, apartments and housing generate such strong opinions. I mean, a great place, a place that you might like might be something that someone else hates and vice versa. And um, what's funny is some of the videos that I put out, half the people will say, I love the apartment. And the other half are like, I wouldn't bury my worst enemy under that place. Like that's the, the difference. So Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, there's a, there's always going to be a lot of opinions on YouTube. For sure. Um, and that's okay. That's yeah. totally okay. Yeah, of course. So um, 
you got started doing your videos a little while ago. Walk us through launching the YouTube. And I think what people may not know as much about is how to get started on TikTok because it's the newest platform. We've seen mm -hmm. making videos over and over again gets you that juice in the algorithm. But on TikTok, it's a completely different game. So how did that start for you? And what was that like? Um, so, you know, I was, I downloaded TikTok like, I don't know, it might have been uh, December, November, or December of last year. And just, you know, hey, it's a new thing. Let's just start making videos and see where it goes. And with the app and stuff, they make it kind of easy to get started. It's not like YouTube where there's a lot of barriers to entry where you, you know, you need a professional mic, you need a, you need a great camera, you're worried about lighting. I mean, you don't need any of that stuff to do YouTube. But TikTok, it's like almost exclusively people making videos on their phone. So um, it's more about the content. It's more about what you can put into it. You know, the story, the information, what you're doing, if it's entertaining, if it's useful, if it's helpful. Um, so I just figured, hey, it's a new thing. I don't really have anything to lose. And the worst thing that's going to happen is the stuff I make, no one's going to watch and I'll have nothing to be embarrassed about if it's terrible, right? So, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then now the stakes are a little bit higher, right? You have a lot of people watching you. So where do you go to get inspiration? I mean, you're always looking for new content, new ideas. Do you have a favorite TikTok trend that you're trying to capitalize on right now? Or are you looking at other places for inspiration? Um, you know, I, I'm actually the last, I'm, I'm probably the worst person to talk to about the trends because I haven't done any trends. You haven't done, done any dances? One, no I have, dances? I have not done, no dances, no trends. I've used a trending sound like once or twice, but that's it. Um, and I've definitely used some trending songs, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, people want to learn about real estate. They want to learn about how to find apartments. They want to learn how to not get taken advantage of in the rental market. They want to learn how they can take advantage of it. They want to know what's going on. And uh, that content by itself has been something that it seems that people have found valuable. And uh, that's really cool because that's what I do for a living. You know, it's not... A lot of people scoffed at TikTok when it started. Oh, that's just for kids. That's this, that's that. But, you know, 2020, 2021, that, this is going to be the year of short form video. I mean, you've got Instagram Reels. YouTube is coming out with shorts. And it doesn't seem to matter where you post TikTok content. If you post it on Instagram, Pinterest, wherever, people like that type of video. So that's what this is going to be now. Or yeah. at least this is going to be a big part of video creation. Absolutely. So... Do you have a favorite YouTuber or TikToker that you follow? And it doesn't have to be real estate, but someplace sure, that yeah. maybe it's not inspiration. Um, so this is going to sound cliche, but hopefully when I give you the reason for why I follow this person, it's not so cliche. I like Casey Neistat and I watch his videos. I try to figure out where is he putting the camera? He did, um, he's vlogging again, which is exciting. A lot of people are excited yes, about yes. that. Um, but he, he did an entry scene where he got into his pickup truck and started the car and he had this shot of like the key going into the ignition and I'm thinking to myself where was that camera which one of his one million cameras was it and um, you know if I wanted to do something like that in a real estate video what would what would an equivalent of that look like because you know walking around in the apartment there's opportunities to get creative and I just think that's very interesting Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that about your videos where, you know, you see the, even on the TikToks, your, your recent one about uh, using the MTA card to slot open the door. And I don't know how real that is. And I hope it isn't that much of a security threat, but that idea of being able to just follow the card in or follow the key in, it makes it feel like you're there. 
Um, well, it's only real if you don't use your deadbolt and lock your door properly. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason your door is not going to be locked properly is if you forgot your keys inside and need to get back in. So, yeah. So, you know, when we're all looking for apartments, I think uh, at the Rent City side, we had a hard time figuring out what it's like to live somewhere. We've seen this emergence of data-driven real estate platforms for renters online like Rent City. How do you think that's going to change the game for both renters and brokers? What do these platforms contribute to the marketplace? So I think that when you have a platform that starts bringing to the forefront a lot of the stuff that might not be apparent when you're just walking around in an apartment or when you're on a marketing website like StreetEasy, um, this is going to help renters really understand what they're getting, why it costs as much as it does, and what the whole picture might look like. You know, the best thing for a renter is to know what their experience is going to be like in that place. You know, if you just, if you go to a marketing website where, where agencies list apartments, you're going to get nice pictures. You're going to get a great description about how it's the best place in the world, but you're not going to get all the facts. And I think that, um, you know, right now, especially during this pandemic, it's a renter's market and renters are looking for transparency and anything that helps renters get that is going to benefit the renter who lives there, but it's also going to benefit everybody that's using that platform to help people. You know, like there's, there are property owners that I know who don't do things in a particularly transparent way and their places, I can't, couldn't get anybody to look at them, right? Because the pricing's not transparent. There's just things that, that I don't like that the renter wouldn't like. Um, and the folks that are being straightforward that are, bringing their price to where it should be. They're not asking people to be professional negotiators to get a deal they're comfortable with that are willing to replace things in the apartment to make people happy. I mean, those are the people renting their apartments right now. It's not like a mystery. And I think that an application that kind of does that as well, that removes like a lot of the, you know, the, the fluff that you see on a marketing website is also going to really help people. Yeah, we hear from renters all the time telling us that they have remorse, right? Because they didn't have enough oh. information when they signed their lease. There's a construction project next door or the mm -hmm. fumes from the restaurant below came up through their window or, or even good stuff like their doorman is amazing, right? But, you know, other than reading reviews on a site like Rent City, what are your top tips for avoiding that renter's remorse? How do you... Rent, renter's remorse? Reform? Yeah. So I think that the best thing that anyone could do would be to just do their homework, to understand the market and to know what you're getting, right? You know, if you look at 10 apartments and you can evaluate those and rank them against each other, you're going to have a way better idea of what your money gets you and what those places are like than if you just see one or two. You know, the more research you do, the better. And it's pretty easy to do that research online. I mean, Rent City is going to make that a lot easier for people. And I think that you know, people are going to, they have the ability anyways to get a very clear picture of what's out there, but you just have to go and do it, right? Sit at the computer, spend some time looking at listings, writing down what's important to you, what's not important to you, and then going out and seeing places. And like, and subscribe for more great content, right? Uh, every time. Yeah. <laughs> so every time. So, I mean, what are some of the common questions that you get from renters when they're seeking an apartment, either through like YouTube comments or your actual clients who are going to rental units with you? Well, I think that when people look at a rental unit, um, nothing's ever perfect because this is, you know, the property owner's personal property that they're going to rent to you for a fee. So a lot of times people might have some things about the apartment that they're not crazy about. Maybe they want something changed, replaced. Um, there's something really good about it. There's something they're not too crazy about. Um, 
So I find that a lot of times there are questions about, hey, can this be fixed or adjusted before I moved in? And those are great questions because if you don't ask, it might never happen. And now that we're in a renter's market, a lot of that stuff does happen. Last year, you know, 2019 was a very strong seller's market. And if renters wanted things done to an apartment, they didn't really have a whole lot of leverage because there were a lot of renters and there weren't as many empty apartments. But just uh, last, last couple of weeks, statistics have been released showing that there are over 15,000 vacant apartments in just Manhattan. You know, other boroughs have issues as well. Brooklyn, Queens are not even included in that figure. And if you are a renter and you're qualified right now, you're more valuable than all those empty apartments. Those landlords are going to fight over you. So let them, you know, ask them if there's something that's not perfect with the apartment, see if you can get it adjusted. Yeah, we're always really hungry for that kind of data. Um, we we want to know as much as we can about the, the lay of the land in the real estate market. So if you had to pick a couple of neighborhoods to point people at, where should people be looking today to get the best deal on an apartment? So that one, um, my answer is going to be vague, but here's why everybody's got their own preference. You know, if you're um, moving here for the first time and you want to get that downtown Manhattan experience, I've got to recommend a downtown neighborhood. You know, you're not going to be excited about Forest Hills in Queens to the same extent that you would be living in the village, right? right. So I think yeah. that it depends on your perspective and on your reason. But what I can tell you is that areas of town uh, that have seen significant price drops are those popular downtown areas because they're near New York University, they're near some other local colleges. And these are areas where typically people who were coming here, not just to go to school, but to start a new job when they're fresh out of college, when they're a new graduate, had been going to. And those are the people that left when the lockdowns and remote work kicked in. So if you're looking in those parts of town, you're going to see a lower price this year than you were going to see last year. And what's funny is I also read an article that said that in certain parts of the city, rent actually went up during the pandemic. Now, this was just a couple of neighborhoods, but these were places where um, the folks who lived there had no reason to leave when the lockdown started. And housing has consistently been in high demand because this is where people have lived their entire lives. So, um, you know, yeah, I think a little that depending- extra space and, you know, they, they had more, you know, maybe outdoor space or they had a little larger apartment. And so they're, they're definitely staying put because life is indoors now, right? Yeah, um, to an extent, or that's just where your family is from. Yeah. You know, that's where you grew up and that's your, that's your base, you know, that's home base for you. Um, so there's different rental dynamics in different neighborhoods, but definitely something that's downtown where most of the people living there are transplants paying market rates that have typically had a popularity tax attached to them because the neighborhood's so exciting. Those neighborhoods have dropped uh, pretty significantly. So um, in your Instagram bio, since we're talking about the pandemic now, you write first and foremost that you're a husband and a father. I love that. I think a, a lot of YouTubers are, are really focused on the content game and you definitely have a more personal touch. What has the pandemic been like for you quarantining at home with your family? Well, um, you know, luckily since I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real estate agent, I'm also an essential worker. So I'm allowed to still work. I'm allowed to do my job with the restrictions that the local government has given uh, real estate agents. Um, there are some ways that we have to kind of do our job now that is different than how it was in the past. And um, I think, but I do think that the main thing is this embrace of video to get a lot done and to help people see apartments without necessarily having to come out 
has given me a lot more free time. This is something that I'm recommending that my agents take care of as well, that they also start doing video tours and video showings. And um, it's given pretty much everybody a little bit more free time than they had before. In the past, most companies would just show apartments, you know, maybe 50, 60 times before they would rent over the course of a couple of weeks. But now a lot of that gets taken care of through video. So if you're doing apartment showings, you're generally only showing an apartment to somebody that has evaluated a video and photos and location and pricing and all that and then wants to come and see it. And there's not really much that's going to surprise them if your video showed everything it needed to. You know, if it showed the kitchen, the bathroom, all of the important stuff, you know, and if it, especially if it mentioned the good things, but also some of the bad things. That way when people do show up, um, they're not wasting their own time, right? They're not coming to see something that they have no idea if it's going to work for them already. You know, they have, you know, a fair indication of whether or not they're able to, um, to take something before they come. And that right there means that I guess maybe I don't have to do as much uh, legwork as I used to. So there is a little bit more free time because of that, I think. I think a lot of people are wondering now what life after the pandemic looks like if this fully goes away. And there's a lot of questions about the economy and the rental market and just life in New York City in general, how different it's going to be. You mentioned that hot spots that were known for tight restaurants with limited seating and places that uh, hosted a lot of nightclubs are now you know, less popular because people aren't going out as much. The rent prices are going down there. But in the long run, it seems like there may be some benefits to adopting technology, at least for the brokers or the real estate industry, in that you're able to show so many more apartments now because you have the ability to reach a much larger audience than you can one-on-one. -on -one. You're able to scale your exposure because you have uh, the opportunity to, to put out a lot of different videos in a single day. Do you think that that is a trend that's going to last or is real estate going to correct back to being a more one-on-one -on -one interpersonal dynamic with the renter? Well, um, that's a tough question. I'm not, not the best predictor of the future, but I'll try to give you where I think this is going. I've personally realized that all the stuff that I'm doing this year with video and with apartments, I think people would have enjoyed that last year. And I think people would have enjoyed that the year before. And I'm kicking myself a little bit for not starting sooner. And I think that for myself personally, and for anybody who um, gets their license and wants to work at my company, I'm going to recommend that this is something that everyone do going forward because customers like it. And a lot of databases, or I shouldn't call them databases because that's not what they are. They are marketing websites. Marketing websites that list apartments now allow the customer to filter what they see by places that only have a video tour. So let's say you, you want to rent something and you want to do your research and you're just getting started. Well, one great way to filter out information that can't help you is to just only look at stuff that has a video. So I think that, you know, if a site like StreetEasy is going to spend the money and the time and the effort to code that into their website, they're not just going to delete that feature because certain agents don't want to do video. If it's something that helps the customer, they're going to leave it there. So I think that this is something that if you're smart, you'll take advantage of it. Because even if people don't like the apartment, you still got a free commercial for your business and your ability to help people with that listing. So I think that going forward, the people who do the best are going to embrace it. And, um, you know, anybody who doesn't want to do that or doesn't get on board with that, their listings aren't going to be seen first because you can filter out listings that don't have, you know, video tours and things attached to them.
Yeah, I think a lot of people have uh, a love-hate relationship with the marketing site just because these listing pages, they, they are really fun to browse, right? You know, there's a lot of great content on them and you can get sucked into that. But it, when you get to the apartment, sometimes it doesn't look like what you expected. The description was a little bombastic. It was over the top. One of the things that we're trying to do is get the rent city score off our site and onto pages like that so that they have a, another perspective. But we have, you know, some difficulty doing that. We have a couple listing companies that are interested in pulling that data from us because it aggregates sort of a, a really objective sense of what the apartment is like and the, the neighborhood mm -hmm. is like. But we, we also see that there's a, a fear that maybe if people know too much, if there's too much transparency, they're not going to click as many times. That's going to hurt their revenue model. The advertising isn't going to be as effective. But I, I think that you're probably in the camp of pushing people to being more transparent, right? You want to show people what it's really like so that nobody has that remorse, right? You, you don't want somebody coming back to you and saying, Cash, you, you took me to this place and, or you showed me this video of this place and I signed it sight unseen. Why did you show me this, right? Why did you tell me about this? I, I wish I had known more. Is that, mm -hmm. is that something that you think is, is resolvable in the marketplace or is it really just going to constantly be a fight between uh, the effort of uh, the social dilemma, right? These, uh, these algorithmic based platforms or, um, or you think that we're going to get to a place where people have complete information and it's an open economy. Well, you've definitely got a bit of a tug of war going on here because real estate, I mean, you're in Brooklyn, you're in an apartment, you know, you've rented. I mean, the, um, the product side, we'll call it, like the landlords, the apartments, all of that is, is presented to the customer um, in a non-transparent manner, right? Like the truth isn't apparent when you're looking at the place. And the great thing about the internet is that truth is going to come out. And right now, the people that are doing the most business are the people that are just putting the apartments out there, giving the renters the most information that they can, because again, it's a renter's market. And if renters have all the power in a market like this where their ability to take a place is more valuable than the actual apartment and they can pick from a multitude of empty places, why would they work with one company over another company? It's going to have to do with trust. It's going to have to do with, you know, what they, what they think is important to them. Are their needs being met? And, you know, as I said a little bit sooner, people that don't want to embrace that are suffering right now because nobody wants to work with you, you know, if you're not telling the truth and you're not putting that information out there. I think that in a seller's market, perhaps when renters have less leverage, that's not possible. But again, now that I know what video can do, I don't personally see myself stopping that anytime soon. And now that all these sites have been basically retooled to promote video because of COVID-19 and social distancing and the fact that it's something renters want anyways, I don't think that's going away. And I think that that's going to help. Um, and I think the cool thing about video is with apartment photos, you ever look at a listing and you see like one really good photo and there's nothing else, right? Have yeah, you seen yeah. that? And it's How another unit in the building, right? It's, then, the, it's the penthouse unit and it's nothing. Or, or it's just a photo of the actual unit, but it's the one good photo and there's nothing else. And you think to yourself, whoever took that gorgeous photo, did they really only go there and take one picture and that's it? There are no other photos? Like you feel like you're not getting everything. But with a video, yeah. you can't do that on video. You can't just show the nice part of the apartment and hide the rest of it. I mean, you got to show the whole thing. And, um, you know, at first, a, a lot of friends of mine in the industry were like, oh, wait a second. 
you're going to show the bathroom of that place. It's terrible. You're going to record that. I said, yes, I am. Like I'm going to record everything. And you know what? The right apartment for the right person is still out there. And people don't take an apartment because they saw one good photo and were tricked. You know, that's not why they rent an apartment and the industry has to understand that people take an apartment because they accept it's, uh, it's favorable traits and it's unfavorable traits. And they feel that at the end of the day, they're getting more value for their dollar than what they're paying in rent or else they, they wouldn't take it. I think that's a really refreshing take because we live in the Instagram era, right? This mm-hmm. is a culture in which everybody's phones are filled with thousands of unpublished selfies that you know, it's, it's the best representation of ourselves. And that's really skewed our perception of what's real and what's not real. It's really changed what we believe beauty should be. It's changed what we should believe an apartment should look like. It's changed what we believe a product from a company should look like. And I, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to truly step back from that, but it's very nice to hear that somebody who ostensibly makes their living from these platforms is encouraging us to be skeptics and to evaluate things on more than their face value and look at the entire picture. This is not something that we see often. Do you think this is a trend among real estate agents to, to move towards that level of transparency or are you a, are you a maverick? Well, um, you know, uh, I think that most of the industry is still set up around anti-consumer practices. Um, and maybe that's too harsh of a word. I just, it, it's all, for the last decade, we've been in a seller's market. So yeah, yeah. every agent that wanted to get ahead and do well had to orient themselves towards activities that benefit the seller, right? To get more listings so that they can rent more apartments and renters didn't have a lot of negotiating. So like the industry has to reevaluate how it looks at this. You know, if you wanted to do business the same way in 2020 as you did in 2019, your business is going to have a difficult time because, you know, the dynamics of the market have changed. Um, And I think that we'll just have to kind of wait and see what the industry does. Um, You know, I'm encouraged that I'm not the only one that's doing this. I, I do see videos from other folks that are out there. And I can only imagine that if you're a renter now, the ability that that you have to just gain so much more information than you had a year ago is only going to help you make a better decision while wasting less of your own time being surprised by lousy apartments. I mean, you know, you show up at a listing and you're like, Hey, wait, this isn't the same as the pictures. Well, right. if there's a video tour mm-hmm. and the person you're meeting in real life is the same person you saw on the video, it's going to be pretty hard to hide from that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But if you call on an apartment and it's listed by agent a and they refer you to agent B and that guy takes you to apartment C, I mean, you know, the whole thing is, is a confusing uh, wild goose chase, I guess. But this makes yeah. it a little different. Yeah, yeah. So that power dynamic is shifting a little bit. And I think a lot of people are looking to renegotiate their leases right now. Uh, do you have advice on how renters can get a better deal? Because you said it, it does come down to the money, right? This is a profit-motivated industry. And now because the individual is uh, a little more empowered. They're able to bring those bargaining chips to the table in a new way with either increased information or an advantage from the economic side of things. So, so what are you telling people about how to come to those negotiations with, uh, with more power? So um, there's no secret trick other than doing your research and knowing what's out there. Um, a lot of people they get their lease renewal information from their, from their landlord and they take it at face value 
They don't go and look at what else is available. They don't scout out the market to see if it's fair, right? And even if they do, sometimes they're too nervous to bring that stuff up to the property owner because they don't, they don't want to negotiate and lose. But, you know, I think that if you look at the market and you see that whatever you're supposed to be renewing your lease at is less than what you're being asked for, you should actually tell the landlord or the management company so that they know. Because what you might not know is that these places are just, they're not necessarily doing the same research you are. They're just saying, well, you know, this percentage of our other tenants accepted the price that we gave them, which was 5% over. So let's send that to everyone and see what happens. Uh, but I think that going to them with the facts and presenting the facts is the best situation for everyone. Because if it's going to hurt you financially to stay in an apartment and you can get a better deal by, by moving, would you be against knowing that? Of course not. And you can learn that by doing your research. And if you're, you want to stay in your current apartment and your landlord's asking you for a higher amount of rent or for an amount of rent that's not, not really lining up with the market, if you don't tell them and you move, now they've got to find out the hard way, right? Now they've got to get that apartment ready for someone else. It would have been cheaper for them to just give you the discount if you would have stayed. So I just think that doing your research is the real trick because then you'll yeah. be able to walk away from a lousy deal with confidence. And if you see a place and someone tells you it's the greatest thing in town, you're going to be able to form your own opinion on that. I love that. I love that advice. So you are an informed consumer, something that we like to do on this show. It is rent stories. After all, we like to hear about people's personal rental experiences. So love to hear about your best and worst rental experience. Maybe we can start with the worst experience you've had renting in the city. So, um, when I moved here in 2006, um, I had to rent an apartment and I didn't actually rent in New York city. I rented in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is kind of like New York city. I mean, at the time it was a very competitive rental market and all of the ads were on Craigslist and Craigslist was how people found apartments. This site is terrifying. If you visit it today, it's not a modern website. I don't recommend people use it. Um, but this was how people found apartments in 2006 and, <laughs> Even when I was working as an agent in 2008, 2009, 2000, I mean, it was, it's been popular for a long time. But anyways, so I made my list of appointments that I was going to see in Hoboken, New Jersey, and I made it like two weeks ahead of time. I was going to show up here in one day and see a whole bunch of places and, and find an apartment. And I thought I had done my research, right? I had a list of like 15 places. And so I show up. I've got my list and I start calling all the people that told me they were going to help me find something. And half of them didn't answer. The other half said the place is rented. And finally, I talked to an agent who was polite enough to tell me that, listen, you're just going to have to go to an agency and just explain your situation and ask for someone to help you. And, you know, I must have gone into like four or five brokerages just off the street. Like, this is what I need to do. And, that was like the worst apartment search I've ever had. That was frustrating. It took all day oh. and at like six o'clock in the evening, I finally found something and it was, I mean, it looked like a bomb went off in that apartment. It looked terrible, but the person said, listen, it's going to be fixed. And I'm like, well, I don't have any choice but to believe them. And thank God they were honest because they were, it was fixed up. It was painted. And when I moved in, everything was fine. But that was like from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. looking at stuff and riding this wave of, Hey, I've done my research. Oh no, I don't have anything to do now that I'm here. And 
will anybody help me? Like, oh, that was horrible. Um, oh my! I feel like we've uh, we've unearthed the trauma of your past that that motivated <laughs> you to become the the super broker that you are today. Is there is there? I'm sure there was lessons that you took away from that. It's like I don't want to be, I don't want to be what I experienced. Right. <laughs> To an extent, you know what's funny? That first apartment I rented, I don't remember if I paid a broker's fee or not. I remember looking at listings listed by that agency maybe three or four years after I had moved out. I moved back to the city just to kind of see what the market was like over there and realizing that everything they charged was a fee. So I may have very well written a check for a broker's fee that I don't even remember. I was just so happy that it was over. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely an experience. Yeah. Things have been smoother since then. <laughs> <laughs> you know more, right? Uh, a little bit. And it comes back to the research. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's end on a high note. The best experience you've had renting in the city, your favorite apartment or your favorite engagement with a broker. What does that look like? So I, I don't want to speak to, I've rented over a thousand apartments and I don't want to tell a story on somebody else's behalf, but I still rent. And uh, the most recent apartment that I rented things went pretty smoothly. I mean, I had all of my paperwork ready to go. I had it. I had done my research. I'd seen about 15 other apartments that I could compare. So when I saw the right place, I knew it was the right place and I had everything ready to go. And it was just like a very smooth process. Um, one thing that the landlord tried to do was I asked for a new stove to be put in uh, before I moved in. And this was in 2017. And I'm on my way to the lease signing and the agent says, Hey, bring, bring an extra, uh, they want to up the rent by the amount of money that this new stove is going to cost. Right. And I thinking to myself, gee, I'm going to be paying for that every single year after the first year because the rent's higher. So I went to the lease signing with the amount of money in my pocket as like a cash payment if I needed it. And I, and when I went, my intention was, hey, let me just show up and have this discussion because the landlord's going to be there. So I didn't agree ahead of time. I just said, we'll talk about it when I get there. And luckily, everything worked out. We hit it off and I didn't have to pay a surcharge for something that, um, that they were going to have to do anyways, which was, which was nice. And sometimes I think that if you agree to something too quickly, you might end up overpaying because if I had agreed ahead of time and then gotten there, I might have thought, you know, had that renter's remorse in the back corner of my mind. Yeah. But, not so this time. with a bundle of bills in your back pocket, Cash Jordan lives up to his name <laughs> with the money ready to go with his information, the power in your hands. Cash, where can people go online to find you? This has been an amazing interview. I'm sure people want to go and like and subscribe all of your content. Please direct our listeners where they should go, your YouTube, your Instagram, your TikTok, where they're going to find you. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that videos are the most exciting thing out there. So go to YouTube, Cash Jordan, just a quick search in the bar. He'll, I'll pop right up and TikTok, same thing. So check out the videos there, Instagram as well. Instagram Reels, I'm starting to use that. So whatever site you like, I'll see you there. That's it for our latest episode of Rent Stories. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed hearing from Cash Jordan, get more on his YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Cash Jordan. You might be hearing more about Cash from us very soon. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to visit us on rentcity.co to help end renter's remorse.